Tell me about the School of Night. Um, it's not a mysterious cabal of Elizabethan artists and lords anymore, is it? No, but it is inspired by that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 18th year, number 893, School of Night. Oliver Senton is a British actor, writer, and educator who, in addition to working with the Royal Shakespeare Company in Stratford and teaching Shakespeare around the UK, is one of the founding members of Showstopper, the Improvised Musical, and the School of Night, a Shakespearean improv company, or, to quote their website, a group of hard bardic improvisers founded by the late, great Ken Campbell, who have performed all over the world. Oliver and I met last summer on a panel about Shakespearean adaptation and improv. My wife Dee and I zoomed into the conference in Liverpool, and I wanted to talk more about the School of Night because the Reduced Shakespeare Company has its own connection to the late, great British actor, writer, and director Ken Campbell. I'm fascinated by the School of Night because it has so many associations, and I remember... 30 years ago, 31 years ago, being on the stage of the Arts Theatre in London doing the complete works and pulling up an ego onto the stage uh, without sort of seeing who he was. And then once I had him on the stage next to me, I turned to him and I recognized him and I said, but I couldn't pick his name. And I said, wait, you're somebody, aren't you? And he, he went, yeah, I am. And it was Ken Campbell. In this country, I knew Ken mostly from the episode of Faulty Towers, where he's the only one who clocks that it isn't Sybil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that is, he's one of those people who never quite uh, made it across the pond. There was a lovely LA producer called Sheridan Thayer, who's quite big in in TV now. She really she brought him across to New York, and he did one or two of his one man shows there. But it just never, you know, he had his dogs. He wasn't really that interested in all that. He much rather he he was very big in Newfoundland. They love him. They loved him there, and he did lots of shows there. But he was never really concerned. And I suppose he's known apart from Faulty Towers for cameos in big British movies. He's in A Fish Called Wanda. Sure. He's, uh, he's he's actually Gonzalo in Derek Jarman's film of The Tempest in a surprisingly straight performance. And he worked with Greenaway and he did a film with Ken Loach, but always in little cameos, you know? Yeah. And meanwhile, he explored this extraordinary, this extraordinary stuff. But he had great, great admirers. Richard Eyre was a great fan. And when he died, you had people like uh, Simon McBurney and Toby Jones and Phelan McDermott all going this this, this was the man this was this was a big influence well and he was a fantastic ego in the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged running back and forth across the stage what happened was when Ken rediscovered Impro in about 2005 um, through a number of circumstances he gathered a, a group of us who uh you know who, who, were, who were good at certain stuff and what he wanted to do was create an underground group of esoteric improvisers who, in theory, this was the myth, this was the myth, could improvise in any form, could sing, could do poetry, could could do prose, could do plays, could do imp improvise in any way. And the original plan, which wasn't how it panned out, was that 
he had this idea, he always had such great ideas, that the problem with being a writer, particularly a playwright or a screenwriter nowadays, was you had to spend so much time being famous. So what was the trouble was you didn't have that much time for the writing. Mm. So he said, if you could get us in a room, we could do, you know, two drafts a day for you, and then you could get on with the business of being a famous writer, right? <laughs> um, which is something I would still love to do, to kind of go, yeah, tell us your play, we'll 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 do it for you. But then... It emerged we we around the time of the 50th anniversary of the Royal Court in nine, uh, 2006. Um, we were invited to do a number of gigs there because Ken had formed there from when he was there with Keith Johnston in the 50s. And we did a series of improvised gigs. We'd evolved this format then whereby while Ken was alive, he was the goader. We called him the goader. So he would kind of tell us to do impossible things. And then, as he put it, shout at us when we got it wrong. You know, so we were all, we were automatically on the audience was on our side because we were like his sort of performing dogs, you know. <laughs> um, but we the play evolved. The reason it became the School of Night is because in that summer of 2006, we went to Edinburgh and we did a piece or a work in progress called In Pursuit of Cardinio. Um, Cardinio, we know being a lost play that was written by Shakespeare and Fletcher. And we know the plot because it comes from Don Quixote, which had just been published in English at that time. I'm sure you, you know all this. So I don't want to preach too much but he took a wonderful book called who wrote shakespeare by john michelle and we worked our way through various theories of authorship mm -hmm. applying it to the story so we'd look at the don quixote and we go okay here's the here's the scene where there's the secret wedding and someone jumps out from behind the arras or here's the mad shepherdess in the hills um let's do that scene so we'd start to improvise in iambic pentameter and um he really liked the idea of the School of Night. From this involved, emerged this idea, as you say, not for real, but in, in, in fi fictionally, of this mysterious underground group mm. of, of, of number of members moving about. So the School of Night came about through that, through playing with Cardinio. But then, you know, Ken was also easily bored. So we could have just done the Shakespeare stuff, but he goes, yeah, yeah, but yeah. We're going to be at the Royal Court next week. So let's do a melee of uh, styles of writers who've been at the Royal Court. So we'll improvise in the style of Osborne, in the style of Sarah Kane, in the style of Sheila Delaney, whoever it might be, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that became a shtick as well. And then various members of the School of Night had their own skills. So uh, Josh Darcy, who's now gone off and become a humanist minister and done various things, is a very skilled ventriloquist. He'd been in a show with Ken called Children of Bisu, which was all about ventriloquism. And he used to do um, a scene from um, uh, Look Back in Anger oh. as Jimmy and Alison. But Jimmy was the bear. He, he, She calls him bear. She calls him squirrel. So we had these animals, like furry animals, of a bear and a squirrel. And he would ventriloquize dialogue from the scene on an ironing board, that also being iconic, from Look Back in Anger. Oh. So that was the thing that Josh did, right? Right. Um, so a lot of tricks kind of emerged as to who we were. Well, and you have you have a musical background too, didn't you? Aren't you one of the founders, if not the founder of Showstoppers, the improvised musical? One of them. One of them, yeah. There were about uh, eight or ten of us right. uh, who, who, who devised that show and came up with it uh, together. Um, and that came, that came about at the same time. That was also under Ken's sort of... Aegis, uh, Adam Megiddo and a man called Dylan Emery both came together from separate places when we were at the Royal Court actually doing these early gigs before mm. we were named 
And they both always wanted to make an improvised musical. So they started doing that. And then in a way, we can talk about this now, it, it, the School of Night evolved so that it could slightly divert Ken from their plans with the, with Showstopper the Improvised Musical. Mm. Because again, they really wanted to make the show. But Ken, having done it three times, would go, yeah, I've had, I've had enough of that now. I'm, I'm bored. We'll do something else. So the School of Night was his playground while they started starting developing Showstopper, which is still thundering on after 15 years. So yeah, they were very much born from the same type, from the same time and, and of the seven members of the School of Night now, four, pardon me, are uh, founder members of Showstopper. So yeah, big crossover there. Right. And 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 you talked about uh, Ken working with Keith Johnstone, who wrote one of the seminal books on improv called Impro. People love that on this side of the pond as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it was so experimental at the court in the kind of 60s and 70s. There was a group called Theatre Machine there with a great man called Roddy Maud Roxby, who's still going strong, and Ben Benison, who used to do amazing clown work and free work. And there were even times when the court would give the entire building over to these wild kind of plays and semi-improvised projects. Um, they don't do that kind of thing anymore, but I guess no theatre can maintain that for a long, for a long period of time. But then he came back to Impro, like I say, in two thousand and five and five six, in the last few years of his life, because he died in two thousand and eight. His real passion was inspiring the young folk. Yeah. You know, that's what he wanted to do. That that was his mission was to was to pass it on to as many, and he did. He created, found, and opened up some extraordinary talents both directors actors stand-ups all kinds of people you know so yeah his roots were very much in that i'm lewis byard the author of such novels as the pale blue eye mr timothy and jackie and me and you you lucky cuss are listening to the reduced shakespeare company podcast Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll be performing the complete history of comedy abridged at Pepperdine University in Malibu on February 2nd and the Grand Center for the Arts in Tracy, California on February 4th. Hillsdale College and Dogwood Center for the Performing Arts in Michigan on March 21st and 23rd. And the American Theater in Hampton, Virginia on April 12th and the Hilton Performing Arts Center in Fairfax, Virginia on April 13th, 2024. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com or our social media pages for venue and ticket information. Now back to my conversation with Oliver Senton, one of the co-founders of both Showstopper, the improvised musical, and the School of Night, the great British Shakespearean improv company. What is more difficult, improvising musical songs or improvising an iambic pentameter? That's a good question, but there's one thing, as I'm sure you know, is more difficult than both of those and is a challenge in both shows, and that is making a successful narrative. Yeah. You know, telling a story that builds and develops and <clears throat> reincorporates and ties up neatly in Showstopper, that was always the big challenge. You know, improvising a particular song, as long as you've studied your genres and that composer, which is always changing, right? It's relatively easy. Although for me, the hardest thing always is the classical American songbook to improvise mm. in the style of Porter or Gershwin is sure. probably harder than anything else. Yeah. 
But the whole over arc of the story is the real thing. And it's the same when we're improvising in, in iambic. For us, we're very lucky because we've got an incredible bank of skills and we're all very confident in, in, in iambic itself. And we know Shakespeare and we've talked about it at, at great length, you know, too much length, probably. <laughs> As we're doing now, yes. Yeah. But, you know, when you're improvising and then going, oh, what uh, what were you called in the last scene? And where were we? And should we go back there again? And trying to observe, because normally we're not doing a, only on a couple of occasions have we got to do a really full-length show. We're normally going into scenes right. over 30, 40 minutes up to an hour from this invented play or channeled play. Well, I, and, I, and it's my biggest bugaboo as a, as an improviser is that I'm... I've, I, I, I'm not an improviser. I like my ad, ad libs scrupulously scripted because I'm, t I'm far too busy in my head as a playwright. I just simply haven't done it enough. And my, and my wife yeah. D Ryan is the, is, is a true improviser. And I've watched yeah. her for decades now put it together. And the hardest part is yes, listening, paying attention and remembering. So you can create that narrative by calling back the characters and the scenes and the scenarios to have it build build into that uh, narrative with a conclusion. Yeah, yeah, no, that is that's 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 absolutely it. That's 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 absolutely it. And, and as a in doing scripted stuff, because I you know I do definitely do both. It's that thing that you realise it's what we're all after, though. What we're all after is to be so in the moment that all you're doing is responding. It's just that you <laughs> respond with the line that's been written for you in some kind of truthful way, you know. Yeah. But the, the basis of impro of mask of clown are all and basic meisner they're all the same the starting points are all the same being present fully listening Be responding to your scene partner you know exactly making your scene part partner look better absolutely make the other person look good there's a, a great figure in our development called dana anderson who um, was a part of the dynasty company in edmonton alberta who we used to refer to as the yoda of impro to the extent that my, my son is named uh, Albert Anderson Senton after Dana Anderson. Um, and his thing was always, yeah, make the other person look good. Mm. You know? As, as speaking of, of, of talking about Shakespeare over much, what, yeah. <laughs> how has improvising Shakespeare yeah. informed your understanding of his plays? Um, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, it's 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 illuminated a couple of things that have been said to me before. John Barton, the great John Barton, who I was lucky enough to work with when he was still alive, uh, used to say, "There is no subtext in Shakespeare. There is only text. There is only what's there. And if you find the clues, then you'll open it up." And so that sort of really illuminates you. I think when you're improvising, in that you might put a clue in a word, in a in a sound of a word, in a hint which is then giving clues to the other people you work with, you know, so that's definitely a thing. Uh, also the fact that it definitely wasn't written by Marlowe. <laughs> never, never in a hundred years, of all the theories did Marlowe get anywhere near those plays, <clears throat> much as I love him, you know. Um, yeah. It, Shakespeare does far less um, pompously regurgitating classical allusions and, and showing off his Cambridge education than Marlowe. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's all about about the the story and the characters, and not about that kind of uh, that kind of grandstanding. And that's the thing that often gets in the way, isn't it? I've I've <laughs> tried to teach, or I, I tried to teach on a number of occasions, improvising in verse, 
And it's I've realized how lucky we are with the group that we have, except we're all kind of now 40 plus um, to get people to really uh, get inside the form and be as comfortable with it. That they can sound like, you know, that might be, hap- might, might be the real thing, because that was always Ken's thing was that improvisation should be better than a scripted play. Yeah. But when you watch it, if you can go, oh, that's OK, considering it's improvised, then he would go, well, no, then if that's the case, go off and rehearse. Yeah. So you want it to be like the real thing. And but it's there's a real leap there in kind of general, just general cultural awareness, which is quite hard. I found I have to I have to dial back a few a few things and go back into basic genre work before I can advance on to saying, okay, now let's improvise in the style of Tennessee Williams or Chekhov or whoever it might be. With all the Shakespeare I've done, uh, I find that when I'm improvising verse, I th- I tend to not the pentameter, but the hep or septameter. I really love 12, 14 syllable lines rather than 10. It's more sing-songy, any, I think. I don't know. French, you have any French blood? Ooh. Uh, I've done the DNA very little. Okay, I was going to say, because that's the, you know, the, 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 the what is it, the... um. The Alexandrine, the fourteen-line beat, is there is their thing, which fits their language. I know what you mean. It's a, it's it's a real it's a real problem if if you can't get it, if you can't get the beat, if you're not inside it, and if you step outside it. So, but then when we're when we're improvising, we play games with that. If someone is doing a lot of feminine endings or is perhaps falling short, mm-hmm. then we can what we observe is the right to step out of it, but not ever say to the audience this person's gone wrong, but to say, this is actually a part of the dirty quarto where we think actually this is, this is possibly not uh, Shakespeare. This might've been Massinger who came in and added a few lines here at a later date. So we can editorialize the improviser's decisions to authenticate it. You see what I mean? That's great. You can, you can improvise academic footnotes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. Um, yeah, we, we have done that in, in William Shakespeare's long lost first play, Abridged. We, we acknowledge our own attempts to write, um, uh, rhymed couplets all the time, which we acknowledge as the mark of a very immature playwright. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's the first one. And and also really, that's a difficult one, rhyming to get out of it. Yeah. The rhythm of rhyming couplets, it's really hard to step out. So there's loads of advanced stuff, which with all the money and investment in the world, I would love. I mean, we're very lucky. We've worked together a lot over, oh, how long is it now? 15, no, nearly 18 years now. Wow. Um, and that's, you know, as I'm sure Dee would, you know, uh, affirm is that's that's the thing that makes really good impro is just people who trust each other and like working together on stage. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare County podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. The School of Night has shows coming up in 2024. Check out their website, theschoolofnight.com. And Oliver Senton also has multiple projects lined up for 2024, so check out his website at oliversenton.com. Then send us the title of your improvised Shakespeare play via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. Or throw a comment to us over on the socials or on our own actual website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or visit my website, TheShakespeareans.com. You can also follow The School of Night on Instagram at the underscore School of Night. Thanks, as always, to extemporizer from his mother wit, Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Rachel Ortiz Carpenter. No reason, it's just random. 
Special thanks to novelist Lewis Byard, who, in addition to being the author of Mr. Timothy, The Pale Blue Eye, Jackie and Me, and Courting Mr. Lincoln, is also the author of the cool historical mystery novel The School of Night, which is about the mysterious cabal of artists, natural philosophers, and noblemen. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 893-2679ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. I'm so glad we had this conversation, though I, I, I will say I don't think you've completely squelched the idea that your school of night is a mysterious cabal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, yes, we try and keep people guessing. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.